0: Hello Zen founder listener. Today's podcast addresses the topic of compartmentalization and integration. I think aloud about how we combine different elements of our personal and professional selves or when and how we may choose to keep them separate. This topic is top of mind for me as I move into a season of book launch One of the ways that I am launching and promoting the book is through an original circus show, which is a fundraiser for NAMI, the National Alliance for Mental Illness, and is also a way of getting the word out about a book called Touching Two Worlds that is very personal to me as it is both memoir and psychological reflection on grief. For more about the book and the circus show, check out touchingtwoworlds.com. And for more resources about entrepreneurship and mental health, uh, if you have not done so already, you may want to sign up for the Zen Founder mailing list. I have revived it, it's coming out twice a month. So you can grab that free resource at zenfounder.com. Welcome to the Zen Founder Podcast. This is a place where we have conversations about mental health and entrepreneurship. We have a pretty broad conceptualization of what mental health means sometimes depression, anxiety, sometimes relationships or physical health. The goal here is to bring some calm into the crazy roller coaster of ups and downs that is life for many entrepreneurs. I'm your host, I'm Dr. Sherry Walling. I'm a clinical psychologist and an entrepreneur, married to an entrepreneur, live in the world of entrepreneurs. And I'm so pleased that you have joined us for this conversation. Professional presence is an important part of being a psychologist or a mental health professional, probably any helping caretaking professional. Professional presence demands that there's a distinction between the personal self and the professional self, between the way you are as a human in your day-to-day life and the way that you show up in your professional realm in my case, as a psychologist. Having a professional persona is important because it it dictates which part of you you are in any given moment. Are you the owner, boss, manager, helper, caretaker? Or are you the one who is learning, being cared for, being helped? The roles that we're playing at any given moment are important because they guide our behavior and the way that we interact in relationship. Each of us has many selves. A serious entrepreneurial driven self, maybe a self that is a parent or a self that is a child, a self that is a lover, a self that is a friend, a self that loves a sport or is a creative artist. When we lean hard into one aspect of ourself, one role or identity that we have, we can call that compartmentalization. We're building a boundary or a structure around one part of ourself so that it's separate from the other parts. So this is a pretty important part of training as a psychologist. When I was doing a lot of traditional therapy work, especially therapy work in the trauma space, my ability to build a wall around that part of me was very important because in the context of clinical work with trauma, I may spend a day talking to people or listening to stories about horrible things, about sexual assaults or Children who had died by suicide, about atrocities that had taken place in the context of war or acts of abuse perpetrated by someone's parents. To be quite honest, I loved the work, but I had to build a big wall in order to have the emotional capacity or bandwidth to be fully present to that kind of trauma, to that kind of darkness, to that emotional heaviness, and then also be able to shift and be a present parent or spouse. The compartmentalization is part of the training and it's part of the work. And to be honest, I'm still really grateful, even though I don't do a lot of that specific kind of work anymore. I'm really grateful for the ability to be fully present to one thing and then to shift and be fully present to the next thing without, I guess, a lot of bleeding over from one version of myself to the other. When I talk with entrepreneurs and executives who are having trouble going back and forth between the role of high pressure, high intensity boss, and then mother or father to toddler, we often are talking or we start to talk about compartmentalization and strategies to specifically move from one to the other. So helpful are these strategies that my friend Todd Herman wrote a book called The Alter Ego Effect, which really outlines in a lot of detail how to build up these different personas within oneself and then to meaningfully and intentionally shift between them, including things like, you know, wearing glasses when you're in your professional context and wearing your Disneyland t-shirt when you're in your family context. These external cues help to guide our behavior so that we can turn off the high intensity, everyone follows my directions, boss mode, and get on the floor and play Legos with the kids. Psychologists and mental health professionals are particularly, I guess, well-versed or well-skilled in compartmentalization because of the emotional demands of our work, as I mentioned, but also because of the challenge to stay within the helping frame psychologists, therapists, coaches, we have a relational business. You know, our work is very relational. It is dependent on people feeling close and connected with us so that they trust us enough to go to the places within themselves and to tap into the kind of vulnerability that is often needed for healing. But it's a challenging relationship because it is a one-sided relationship. In a clinical hour, we don't spend equal time talking about therapist and client, right? We don't talk about me and then talk about you back and forth like we would in a social relationship if we were having coffee together. In the early days of psychotherapy, this concept was thought to be so important that Freud talked about clinicians needing to be a blank slate, really not to have a personality or self, but to be somewhat bland and neutral so that a client could, in Freud's words, project there are sort of unconscious conflicts onto the therapist. So that, again, this is an old framework, but the very like success of a therapeutic process was thought to be dependent on the therapist clinician's ability to, to be neutral, to be emotionally distant, to not have a strong self, highly compartmentalized. And in a way that was really useful, it's a useful framework because it helps the client to understand that the, the work is really about them. It's not about the self of the therapist, not about their preferences, what they had for breakfast, how their day's going, what's going on in their marriage. None of those things are relevant to the work that the client has to do. As I have moved away from traditional therapy and more into coaching and consulting with entrepreneurs, business owners, executives. In many ways, I've moved away from the strict rigidity and clarity of those compartmentalizations of those highly defined rules around how to interact. And I think many of us are sort of challenged to find the balance between compartmentalization, this sort of clear walling off of different parts of us, our professional self from our personal self. And what I think is increasingly the model, which is to have a more integrated self. When I talk about integration, it means that there are fewer concrete, really clearly defined boundaries between the different parts of our lives. There's a a little bit more of a mixing and meshing of family life, professional life, personal life, business life. In many ways, I think social media has kind of accelerated this because it often amplifies the sense that the person is the brand. And I also think those of us who do a lot in public, you know, often can't keep up these kind of strict lines between the different parts of ourselves. So if I'm at a speaking event and my family's traveling with me, it's likely that people in the audience will have met my children or interacted with my significant other. So I think There are lots of benefits to an integrated life. In a a lot of ways, it's easier. It's a little more fluid. You can be a little bit less concerned or a little bit less worried about maintaining a certain level of professional decorum. But in many ways, I think it adds another level of questions or challenges that we have to think about when we are being self-reflective, mindful people who are consciously deciding how we're going to show up in our lives. How much of our life as parents or our personal health practices or our relationship with our significant other is part of our professional self, is part of our business persona or our personal brand. In the era of personal brands and influencers, in the era where lots of folk have podcasts and are producing content, I do think it is important to maintain some sense of compartmentalization or hush around certain parts of our lives that are that are precious or that are private that are personal and it should be a conscious thoughtful choice around how much of oneself is allowed for public consumption or how much of oneself is available to employees or business contacts And I got to be honest, in full disclosure, I think I am thinking about this, talking about it on the podcast today, because I am in the middle of it for myself. I am getting ready to launch this book that is deeply personal. And one of the ways that I am launching the book, the book is called Touching Two Worlds, is that I am creating with my friend Lynn, uh, we're working on an original circus show If you've been listening to the podcast for some amount of time, you know that my hobby, my kind of side passion, in addition to entrepreneurial mental health, is as a circus artist, as an aerialist, and as somebody who trains in the flying trapeze. It is my playtime. It is my hobby. It is the way that I reconnect with myself, that I keep my body strong and healthy. It is my emotional outlet. And now I am getting ready to create a public offering about a very personal story in a very personal way (laughs) that is uh, an invitation, you know, to everybody that I know and and love. So it really is like the ultimate integration. And I think I'm um, struck in many ways by how far I've come from the early days of my strict psychologist training Such that now I am talking openly about the death of my brother to suicide, the death of my father, the way that addiction and mental illness have shaped my life and my family. Talking openly about how this hobby, this circus practice has been so essential to my own mental health. I am allowing this integration, this shift away from compartmentalization. I'm doing it on purpose mostly because I want to help normalize the fact that there are lots of people walking around us who have loved ones who are struggling or have lost their struggles, whether it's to mental illness or addiction or some other tragic story. I was talking about these topics and they were a core part of my life and work far before my brother died, far before my dad died. So it's, it's not really a change in direction, but the thing that feels new is just how very personal it is and how very much of myself I'm putting into the things that I'm making, the show that I'm producing, the book that I'm writing, the conversations I'm having. In my decision to be more integrated and open My hope is that other people will find that for themselves as well, that the stigma around certain kinds of loss or certain kinds of family stories will end and it will be easier for people to say, oh yeah, I have that heartbreak as well, to come out of the shadows and to come out of the corners and create a kind of openness that allows people to creatively refind their footing. To be honest, I, I both like and don't like this level of personal integration. In a way, it feels easy and natural because I get to speak freely about the things that I love and these big losses that have shaped me or been so huge in my life. But it also creates a lot of vulnerability. Then compartmentalization creates more structure And in some ways, because the self is segmented, if someone criticizes you, they can only criticize one portion, right? That's all they see. But when you live in a really integrated way, you become more vulnerable to sort of holistic criticism. There's no structure in place that separates one part of you from another. I really do think of it as a a continuum with, you know, rigid compartmentalization on one End of the spectrum and a boundaryless integration on the other end of the spectrum. For most of us, the healthy model is probably somewhere in the middle, and maybe we may edge towards more compartmentalization or more integration. Like many things that are deeply part of us, I don't think there's one right way as much as the importance of doing it on purpose of being intentional with which strategy you are using to navigate your life. I think hopefully you've heard in my brief comments here that there are major advantages to having a more compartmentalized existence, especially when the demands of your workplace are significant and don't translate well to the demands of the other parts of your life. If that's not the case and fluidity is more helpful to you, then integration is certainly a wonderful model to bring all of the parts of you to the activities that you're doing. If you're curious, my foray into deep integration will take place on May 12th in Minneapolis. And it is a circus show that my friend Lynn and I have made. Both of us have lost brothers to suicide. And so we've created a show where we've invited different artists from the Twin Cities community to enact different elements of a mental health journey through various arts. So we'll have some aerialists, some fire performers, a contortionist, some duo artists. In between those acts, I will be reading excerpts from my book where I narrate the story of someone who begins life with health, with resources, with love, and then experiences a series of heartaches and heartbreaks that ultimately causes depression, addiction, chaos, and demise. We'll also have pieces that reflect what healing looks like. So it really is a um, total mishmash of my hobby, my play activity, my personal family story, and my professional convictions around the kinds of conversations that we should be having around mental health. So for more information, if you're curious, you can check out touchingtoworlds.com, which is the name of the book, and look for the circus event tab, and you'll have um, all the details you are curious about. There is a video on the bottom of the page, which is a performance that I did reflecting on grief and the way that circus arts have helped me to cope with grief and cope with loss. So that is a very, very integrative piece. I hope you find your way navigating this continuum between integration and compartmentalization. And If this topic really kind of stirs you or or is making you think about this, I might encourage you to do a little writing where you think about the different roles that you play, the different parts of yourself, and think about which ones meld or mesh easily together. And then think about which ones maybe should be kept separate. And then what strategies you might have to build some boundaries in order to compartmentalize that part of yourself. If you think that it is healthy and important to do so. Thank you so much for listening. Good luck out there. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in two weeks with a new episode of the podcast. In the meantime, feel free to check out zenfounder.com for lots of resources about the kinds of conversations that we have on the podcast.